Well, let's open our Bibles up again this week to the book of Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. The last time we were together, we took a look at verse 1 of chapter 9, and then we went and spent some time uh, looking at the book of Galatians. Uh, In that study, I emphasized to you how verse 1 here tells us that our Lord God proclaimed himself as the Lord God of the Hebrews. And we talked about what that meant and how God formed and chose that group of people to be his people and the people through whom he would ultimately bring the Messiah, Jesus, from, right? Jesus, our Savior. He's the Savior of both the Jew and the Gentile. But I spent some time last week walking you through the fact that God would give the law to his people, the Hebrews. But in the end, the law was not the ultimate answer for mankind to obtain righteousness, but rather it is through faith alone that man can become righteous in the eyes of God. And not just any old faith, because you might hear a lot about faith nowadays. But it's not just any old faith. It is specifically through faith in Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father God except through Him, through faith in Jesus Christ. And today, through faith in Jesus Christ, those of us that have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are a people that are not under a law, but a people that are to be led by the Holy Spirit. A people that, as a result of God's grace, this free gift of God, we have the opportunity to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And then, like I said, we are then to be a people that are led by the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Now, that's just kind of a recap of what we touched on last week. This morning, though, we'll go ahead and begin to to read again uh, here in chapter 9. And we'll see what the Lord has in store for us today. But let's just go back, even though we covered it last week. Let's take a look at verse 1. So Exodus chapter 9, verse 1. Hopefully you're all there. Verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep, a very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died, but of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent 
and indeed not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. So again, we continue here to to see the work of the Lord and the hard-heartedness of a man. The, The Lord God is clearly working on behalf of his people. And this one man, Pharaoh, is clearly in defiance of God's work. You see, I believe that every day we have the opportunity to ask ourselves if there is an aspect of our hearts that are hardened to the work of the Lord. Now, for some people, they have never turned to the Lord at all. For others, they've heard of the faith of the Lord, but they've only very slightly committed their lives to Him. And the categories, I guess, of what one might call believers or people of faith in Jesus Christ, I I guess the various categories can go on and on where each and every person is as it pertains to truly walking with the Lord or not. But the scriptures show to us that there really are two groups of people. And I'm not talking about Jews and Gentiles right now. I'm talking about believers and unbelievers. That's what the Bible presents to us. You have either fully, wholeheartedly committed your life to following the Lord, or you are not committed to Him at all. Now, the follower of the Lord will struggle in this life, just as any non-believer does, but they are nonetheless committed to obediently walking in the ways of the Lord and His Word, come what may, right? The non-believer could care less about the will of the Lord. They'd rather walk in their own way, right? With, and as a result, they end up with their hearts being hardened toward the things of God, the things of the Lord, the things of faith, the things of the Word and such, right? And again, keep in mind that today anyone can be a part of the people of God. Because the people of God today are made up of both Jews and Gentiles. It's called the body of Christ, the church. And it is anyone that has come to faith in Jesus Christ anywhere in this world. Yes, we know that God began His work of redemption on this earth through these Hebrew people. It started with them. But today, the whole world has only one answer and one way, and that is Jesus Christ. There is not another Messiah still to come. Jesus was and is the one and only Messiah. He came once, and He will come again. But because He came the first time, the way to salvation and eternal life in heaven is now open to all who call upon Him. He desires today to be for you, not against you, as we see that He was for the Israelites here in the book of Exodus, the Hebrews. It's just simply up to each and every individual 
Each and every soul on the face of this earth must decide as to whether they will serve the Lord or they will harden their hearts against Him. Again, those people that come to faith in Jesus Christ become a part of the people of God. Those that do not are working against the will of the Lord and will suffer the ultimate consequences of doing so. And this is what we see going on here with this man Pharaoh and the Egyptian people. Really, it's all stemming from this man Pharaoh, but it's having its effects on everyone around him. But verse 8 continues, So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourself handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh, and it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Then they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them toward heaven. And they caused boils to break out in sores on man and beasts. And the the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now, let's pause right here for a few moments. Many people may ask, why is it that the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh? Well, I believe that there are a couple of reasons that we can see from the pages of scriptures. And one of them I discussed with you several weeks ago when we studied chapter 6 of the book of Exodus. But let's go ahead and go back there now. Exodus chapter 6. And actually, before we jump on into chapter 6, let's look at the last two verses of chapter 5. So, Uh, We'll look at uh, verse 22 of chapter 5. So Exodus chapter 5, verse 22, it says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So Moses is saying to God here, God, what is your reason for doing this? What is your point here, God? Then in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. With a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. Now, if you remember when we studied chapter 6, you may remember that I showed you how verse uh, 3 there read, if you insert the original Hebrew words, it, it reads like this, I appeared to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob as El Shaddai. 
but by my name Yahweh I was not known to them. So God is making a distinction here about his character. Even though he is only one God, there is more to him than meets the eye, right? More to him than meets our understanding in many cases. He is God Almighty. He is above all else. He appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. God Almighty, the one that protected Abraham and showed himself mighty on Abraham's behalf. The one that protected Isaac in the land of the Philistines. The one that spared Jacob's life when his brother Esau wanted to kill him and then put Jacob in a wonderful position in the land of Egypt as a result of his son Joseph being a leader there. That was God as El Shaddai working in their lives. But as verse 4 continues here, God also showed him himself to them as Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. Verse 4 says, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bring you into a land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So God answered Moses in these verses here given him the reason why he was going to do what he was going to do in the life of this man Pharaoh and in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh's heart would be hardened for this reason, so that his people, that God's people, the Hebrews, the the Israelites, that they would see him working mightily on their behalf. But Scripture also gives Another reason for the Lord God hardening the hearts of some men. Turn now to the New Testament book of Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and let's start reading in verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul here speaking, and he says, I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises? Of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. 
Now, let me just briefly pause right here because you've heard me say a lot over the last couple of weeks that God's plan of salvation was that the Messiah would come through this people group known as the Israelites. I've kind of been a broken record on that, right? In that trying to just keep, trying to make sure that you keep that in mind, that there's a grand plan. As we go all the way back in Exodus and and read as we are, we must keep in mind that God had a grand plan in this. We must not forget, right? And Paul says there at the end of verse 5 that Jesus Christ is the eternally blessed God. You see, God became flesh. God became a man. And when he did, he came to this earth as an Israelite, as a Jewish man. And the Apostle Paul is crying out and saying, Oh, how he wishes that the Israelites, the Jews of that day, of his day, that they would just open their heart to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior. Open their hearts and open their eyes to the truth of who he is. And Paul is bummed that they have not done so. So he goes on to say in verse 6, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are Israel, not, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. So remember, Paul was just crying out for his countrymen. But he's making a distinction here, even amongst his countrymen, that they're not all the ones that are the called. Okay, Not everyone in that country, the countrymen of Paul, right? Not all of them were the called. It was those that were of Isaac, right? Verse 9 continues, for this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. So there we see the word election, and let's pay close attention to what it's talking about here. It's talking about the Jews, right? Those that are of the seed of Isaac. These are the elect, right? But verse 12 continues, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he who says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it's not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. So you see, God, again, wanted to show his people, Israel, his mighty power. And in order to do so, 
he chose to harden the heart of Pharaoh. Today, many of the chosen Israelites are still hardened, the elect. They're still hardened to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If, if you just turn up uh, a page or two here in your, in your Bibles to chapter 11, go ahead and do that, uh, chapter 11 here of Romans, and you look down at verse 25, it says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So we see here that Paul is referring to a period of time where the chosen, the elect, the Israelites, are blinded to the truth of the gospel. Their eyes are not open to Christ. And it was for a very specific reason until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Verse 26 says, And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now remember, Jacob and Israel, one and the same, right? He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, They are enemies for your sake. Now, for whose sake? For you, Gentile. Okay? For me, a Gentile. Anyone who's not a Jew, anyone who's not one of the elect, right? Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. So you see, the fact that the chosen people of God, the elect, right, The fact that they are blind to the gospel has worked out to the benefit of the rest of us. As verse 25 back there again indicates, they are blind until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So this is God's mercy on all the world. The elect are currently blind so that others can come to salvation. But when that time is fulfilled... When, whenever the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, whatever time God says that is, or whenever that will be, right? Then the Lord will show himself again to Israel and deliver those that are his elect. Okay? So, it, be careful. Be careful here on, on doctrines that you may follow. Make sure that you stick close to what the scriptures tell you. Even like I tell you time and time again, when I teach the word of God like this, don't just take what I say. Go make sure, well, I'm, I'm, I, I make sure that, that you, you read it right here in front of me, that you open your Bibles and that you read it as well. But make sure that you understand the word of God yourself because there are a lot of doctrines of men out there. Some of them are so obviously doctrines of men that they name them these doctrines after men. They just put the person's name there and a little ism on the end of it, right? And that's the way of religion. That's the way of the doctrines of men. But make sure you just read the Bible 
and stick to what the Bible says in regards to to any question you may have. It's all there. And you've got the Holy Spirit who will teach you, who indwells you, and who will lead you into all truth. Okay? But let's read a few more verses here. Verse 29, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, irrevocable, right? So what Paul is saying here in this context is that the Jews are God's people. They are the elect. And nothing is going to change that fact. Verse 30, For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy, through their disobedience. Now remember, right? That their blindness to the gospel is to your benefit. And at one time, if you're a person that has now been born again, if you've repented of your sin, you've died to yourself, you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, then you have obtained mercy. And that's a result of their disobedience. Even so, verse 31 says, these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they may also obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. So again, God can harden people's heart for a period of time, just like he's done with the Jews, so that he can show mercy on all the rest of the world, the Gentiles. So today, salvation is not just for the Jews. It went to the Jews first, but then it went out to the Gentiles, and it still continues to go out to the Gentiles. The gospel of Jesus Christ continues to go forth, and you and anyone can come. Whosoever will can choose to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? Today, the ones to whom the promises pertain, the chosen people, the elect, the Hebrews, that is, right? They are blind. But again, God has a purpose in this. Okay, so it's important that we understand what the scriptures tell us in regards to this. Now, let's flip back to Exodus chapter 9. This same kind of thing was taking place back then. God was showing himself strong for the sake of his chosen people. And so that they would see his power, he chose to harden the heart of this man, Pharaoh, so that his people would see his power. Just like today, we know the power of the gospel because the Jews are blind to it. And we know that not all Jews are, right? But there's a a certain group of them that are. There are those that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. But we are living in a period of time now where the fullness of the Gentiles has not yet come in, okay? And then picking it up in verse 13, the story continues. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning, And stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time I will send my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, 
then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all all of the earth. Now, we read that in Romans chapter 9, didn't we? Paul quoted that. God was doing this so that he could be declared in all of the earth. Again, today, we have the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And we are to use the gospel message to declare the name of the Lord in all the earth. The door of salvation is open, but it will someday close. God has given us this window of opportunity to be saved before he turns back to show himself to his people Israel. We cannot squander this period of time. If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, then it is your job, your role, to share it with others that they may choose either to believe or not believe, right? God's not hardening anyone's heart today other than the remnant of his people, Israel. And this he is doing for just a short time. Today, whosoever will can come to faith in Jesus Christ. I know I'm belaboring this point today, but I really want to drive that home. It's important that we understand it so that we can go out and preach the gospel and reach others for Jesus Christ. Because if you've come to faith in Jesus, somebody brought it to you. Now you need to take it to somebody else. And then verse 17, as yet you exalt yourself against my people in that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time, I will cause very heavy hail to rain down such as has not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock And all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. So, Do you see there how people have a choice? They can choose to heed the word of the Lord or they can choose to not heed the word of the Lord. Right? Today, the word goes forth through the preaching of the gospel, the teaching of the word of God. And people will either receive it or they will reject it. But one thing is for sure, God will hold true to his word. He will do what he said he will do. For us today, we know from the word of the Lord, from the word of God, we know that salvation is being offered to all. But the end of time, as we now know it, is coming. Jesus will come again. And the word, and you know, for the word of the Lord says that he will, right? And all people will be judged. And here in verse 22, right? we'll see that the Lord kept his word to Pharaoh. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all of 
the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Now, as I read that, I can't help but think of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah that we read about back when we studied Genesis, right? Lot and his family were kept safe from destruction as the rest of the people were destroyed. 2 Peter 2.9 says that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. But God is so merciful, so loving, so kind that He gave the people here the opportunity to take heed to His Word. Today, God's mercy is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, whomsoever will can come to Jesus. Jesus is the door, the way, the truth, and the life. He is God's mercy toward us. We do not need to face the force of God's wrath in the day of judgment. Instead, we can come to Jesus and be set free. There in verse 26, the land of Goshen, the land where the Hebrews lived, there was no hail. They were the ones that were being redeemed. They were the objects of God's affection and love. Today, we know that it is the entire world that God has loved and given us His only begotten Son. But people must take heed and obey the word of the Lord and come to faith in Jesus Christ. Receive the gospel message. And verse 27 says, And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering in hell, for it is enough. I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hell, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. So there in verse 27, it seems as if Pharaoh is truly repentant, doesn't it? He says, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. But Moses had some discernment here. And he knew that this was not true repentance by Pharaoh. Unfortunately, many people live this way today as well. They profess to know that they are sinners, but they never truly repent from their sin. They never truly repent in their hearts, and they're never truly filled with the Holy Spirit of the Lord. 2 Timothy 2.19 says that, Nevertheless, The solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ 
depart from iniquity. Many people today, like Pharaoh here, won't depart from their iniquity. They just simply realize they are sinners. But those that are the Lord's will repent and turn from their iniquity. And I suggest that you read and meditate on 2 Timothy 2.19 because the Lord knows all and the Lord sees all. That which you think is hidden is not hidden from Him. We all must take to heart the word of the Lord. And verses uh, 31 and 32 here give, a, give us a little insight as to why Pharaoh didn't really repent. It says, Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. So what's really being said here is that Pharaoh realized that he hadn't really lost everything yet. He hadn't hit rock bottom. There was still the potential of a yield from his crops. Today, when a person comes to Christ, they must hit rock bottom in their souls, in their heart. They must be willing to leave all to follow Jesus. You see, many people today like this Jesus that is preached where you don't really need to fully repent of your sin in order to be saved. They really don't want to be considered a Jesus freak. They just want to have fire insurance and avoid hell. This is why people get so settled in with their religions, their denominations or their non-denominations, because they can just hide in there and think that uh, they'll be okay, right? They can go on living however they want as long as they, they, they do their thing every Sunday or Wednesday or whatever it might be. But you see, that's not the truth of the grace of God. The grace of God requires us to be fully repentant and to forsake all to follow Jesus. Then verse 33 says, So Moses went out from the city from uh, so Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. So remember what Moses said back there in verse 29? Although he knew that Pharaoh would not really repent, he said that he would stop the thunder and hail so that Pharaoh would know that the earth is the Lord's. Moses wanted Pharaoh to see who it was that was really in charge. Again, as I, as I apply that today, many people think that they're in charge, that they are the captains of their own ship. They will live life their way, and if anyone doesn't like it, they don't really care. You can take the highway, but sometimes God in His mercy will show His power to people to give them the opportunity to wake up and see that they need Him to wake up and, and smell that it is them someday that will be burning, right? To shake things up in their lives, right? Sometimes something happens in our lives, a problem may per persist. But God will always show His mercy and He gives people the opportunity to repent and to turn from their sin. In verse 34, And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, 
he and his servants, so that the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. So here in Exodus, God's power continues to be on display on behalf of his chosen people. Remember, there is an ultimate plan of God in all of this. The ultimate plan is the redemption of mankind that would come through Jesus Christ. But before Jesus would come, God raised up a people from whom Jesus would come, right? The Hebrews. And they saw the mighty works of the Lord back in the time of Moses. Today, you and I know the mighty works of the Lord because of the Spirit of the Lord within us. If you have repented of your sin and have come to faith in Jesus Christ, then you have His Spirit within you and you are His. If you have not, then you are not His. And there is no time like today. This may very well be the last opportunity that you have to repent. Take heed to the word of the Lord. Choose to obey His word in the way that you live your life. He is merciful and He is not willing that anyone should perish. We who profess to be His followers have the most wonderful news, the most important news that mankind needs to hear. It is the good news of the gospel. Our job is to simply share it with them. We cannot control whether or not they will take heed or whether they will harden their hearts. The world is getting darker and darker every day. Those that have Christ within them are the only ones that truly have the light of the world. We must first consider our manner of living. Though We must first judge ourselves as to whether or not we are in the faith. Are we in Christ? And if we are, then we must shine as lights. Right? Because someday the wrath of God will be poured out. But for now, there is a way of escape. And Jesus is the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for All of us, Lord, that we will just continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you. I pray for those that are hearing this message and by your spirit, you're speaking to them, Lord, that they will take heed, that they will repent of their iniquity, that they will turn to you, that they will come to faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that you will pour out your spirit that you will lead and guide us through this life, Lord, that we would be a people that are sold out and committed to you. Thank you again for this time in your word, for this wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen.